welcome to the Sage Thought Leadership Podcast. Financial professionals, let's move forward together. Well, hi, everyone, and welcome to our podcast. I'm Ed Kless, and with me today is Justin Smith. Justin is the Chief Financial Officer of Lease Query. Justin provides leadership and oversight for capital allocation, financial management, operational efficiency, and investor relations. He brings nearly 20 years of experience and came to Lease Query in 2023 from Goldman Sachs, where he was a senior member of their technology investment banking team. At Goldman, Justin advised CEOs, CFOs, and boards on transactions including IPOs, M&A, and capital raises. Additionally, Justin served on the Investment Selection Committee of Engage Ventures, a leading VC firm based in Atlanta. Justin holds a BA from Johns Hopkins and an MBA from the Wharton School uh, University of Pennsylvania. Welcome to the Sage Thought Leadership Podcast, Justin Smith. Thanks, Ed. Appreciate it. Well, first off, Justin, why do you do what you do? Uh, you know, look, it's it, it's a great question. Um, you know, prior to coming to uh, to Lease Query, I spent you know nearly a decade at Goldman Sachs, working with uh, CEOs and CFOs and and companies that uh, many of which were were leaders within the uh, within the sectors and verticals that they operated. And the role that I played at Goldman uh, was often as a partner, you know, most specifically to the CFO. Uh, so I've worked with CFOs for a long period of time. Many of whom have come to become, you know, really good friends of mine, who've been mentors of mine, and so I've aspired to the role. And there's a lot of individuals, like I said, who who've been in that role that I've had the opportunity to, um, you know, really understand what it was that drove them. And for me, I think that the role of the CFO has really evolved uh, in recent years. Um, you know, a decade plus ago, CFOs were primarily uh, involved with. Ensuring that there's enough cash in the bank, uh, providing reporting, uh, and, and a basic level of analytics. And, and what the role has evolved into today uh, is a true partner to the CEO, a partner to the board, uh, primary conduit uh, to investors, whether there's pi- uh, public company investors or private company investors. And you know, I really think about CFO today is is a strategist. It's a person who's matching together the resources that a company has, the prospects that a company has, and helping the CEO and the board and and others make decisions around where to place bets, where to make investments, and where to ultimately drive shareholder value. And so uh, I think with the more active operational role that has um, opened up with with the modern CFO, it's just an incredibly exciting role um, to be in. So for me, it was uh, when I was picking my head up about two years ago, when I was at Goldman, thinking through, you know, what what's next in my career, it, it was a pretty obvious decision uh, to want to move to this role. I spent about a year, you know, trying to find the right combination of scale, company, sector, and uh, just absolutely thrilled to find my way to uh, to Lease Query last year. Well, let's talk a little bit about what are some of the signs that you think the economic environment is ripe for M and A to occur. Yeah. Yeah, look, it's it's a great question. I mean, where we are right now, we're we're coming out of a period of probably eighteen months where we've seen some of the lowest M and A, you know, on record. Um, and so companies have been really focused on organic growth and, and driving profitability, which I think in the long term is the right thing and the healthy thing for companies to do. Um, but if if history is a teacher. Uh, I think you know what one of the lessons there is that the the best companies 
uh, grow through a combination of acquisitions as well as organic growth. And in order for acquisitions to occur, uh, I, I think there's two core elements at, at a high level that have to be present. Number one, you have to have a market dynamic to where sellers are open to selling. Uh, and that may seem like it's just an overly basic, you know, uh, no brainer, but with, with multiples where they've been, you know, over the last 18 to 24 months, a lot of sellers have uh, effectively been, uh, you know, holding their breath for the market to, to rebound, to come back to uh, a valuation level that, seems a bit more appealing. I, I don't think that, you know, where we are heading into 2024, that we're going to be getting back to 2021 multiples at any point in time, uh, you know, here soon, by the way, if ever, depending on, um, you know, where baseline rates are. But I think we're getting back to a more normalized period where people are realizing that they need to start making decisions based on the horizon that's in front of them, as opposed to, you know, hoping that the market gets back to, you know, two decade or three decade high, three decade highs. Uh, it feels like we're starting to see uh, early signs of, uh, at least from talks and discussions that we're having uh, in, internally and in, in what we're hearing in the market, that that sellers are are potentially looking to come to market in, in the near term. So supply is a big part. Um, but if you've got uh, an abundance of people who are willing, or companies rather that are willing to sell, if you don't have capitals to bring the capital to bring those deals together, it's really hard to do something. Um, you know, we've been in a dynamic where I think over the last couple of quarters, the capital's been there, but it's just been incredibly expensive, uh, you know, almost prohibitively so. Um, so with you know rates potentially coming down, uh, you know hopefully we continue to see you know credit markets you know stay thought out and, and have availability of capital. And as that again that capital price comes down, that helps support the valuation uh, you know market. And so the Venn diagram between buyers and sellers, there's more overlap, and that unlocks you know M and A. I personally, and again we'll 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 see uh, we'll, we'll see here you know 12 months from now if we if we can reconnect. But I think that we're going to see a real acceleration. I'm hoping we see a real acceleration. There's a ton of things for us to go do, you know, over the next four to six quarters. Um, and uh, I think that uh, being able to to drive some more velocity in the market will be good for all parties. When talking about valuation of an organization, especially in the the software and even the the consulting space, the services space, are you seeing any key differences between valuations for companies that are what I'll call fee for service or product for service versus those that are subscription based? Yeah, I mean, look, I, I think um, uh, there's there's always going to be a premium uh, in in any market environment for uh, companies that are going to have longer term visibility around revenues, I, and that's. I mean that that's the brilliance of the, the the subscription model. And by the way, software is, is not the only uh, industry or vertical where subscriptions. We see this in the consumer side uh, with with things like Netflix and others. But uh, in the software side, the subscription has really been um, transformative and revolutionary. I mean, a decade plus ago, with on-prem software, you, you bought a license, you had that for five, ten, fifteen years. Um, there was some reoccurring revenue associated with. Uh, maintenance and services, but it, it was it paled in comparison to the size of the license. By by having a subscription based business, what you're effectively telling, and again from valuation perspective, you're telling a potential investor and or buyer that not only do we know where we were a year ago, not only do we know where we are today, but we have a very high degree of fidelity 
around where we're going to be 12 months, 24 months, and, and potentially even 36 months from now. Lease Query is a great example of this. Many of our customers sign up on two, three plus year agreements. So I can already tell with a degree of confidence where I'm going to land in 2024 because I know what percentage of my customers are contracted through 2024, many of which, by the way, are contracted through 2025. When, when a business is selling a product or a non-reoccurring service, uh, what you really have to then look into is, you know, what, what number of customers historically, you know, have, uh, you know, purchased products or services on a reoccurring basis and what's the lifetime of customers. But you, you've got to infer a lot of things uh, about things that have happened in the past and hope that they occur in the future without a contract stipulating that they have to. So. I just think um, anytime, anytime you can provide an investor with assurance, anytime you can effectively have a crystal ball and show somebody where the future is going to be, that's a powerful thing and people pay up for it. And Justin, we have an exit question we ask all of our guests, and that is, who is a hero of yours and why are they a hero? Yeah, look, it's a, it's a great question. So I, I've got I've got two. Uh, the first one uh, is so I'll, I'll I'll say my mom is probably uh, is gonna is gonna check the box first and foremost because I've never met a more positive and optimistic person, uh, irrespective of what's happening in life. And I think that um, you know having those traits uh, makes makes life better, makes life easier, makes it easier for other people to work with you, and and makes it easier to work with other people. But um, you know on a uh, you know, I'd say, you know, stepping back and in, in for more of just kind of a, a personal sense, there's an individual who I've listened to on podcasts for years. His name is Rich Roll. Um, just he's a guy who has uh, just had, I, I think, a, a phenomenal career. Uh, you started out going down, working for a professional services firm and then his mid mid 40s, kind of, you know, close to the area uh, age that I'm at right now, kind of did a hard pivot and restarted uh, a career. Uh, on the personal development side, and I think he's just incredibly thoughtful and introspective, and and uh, has achieved a lot of you know incredibly impressive goals. And so he's somebody who, again, I listen to, and I, I give a lot of uh, credence to the advice and, and perspective that he shares. Lastly, Justin, how can somebody contact you? Uh, super easy to reach. Um, so if anybody has any questions or wants to connect, or there's opportunities to work with Lease Query, you know, don't don't hesitate to reach out. Uh, so my email, pretty simple, is justin.smith at leasequery.com. Uh, I'm also pretty visible across LinkedIn. Uh, so just look at Justin Smith and, and uh, Lease Query, and I should pop up pretty easily for you. All right. Justin Smith, Chief Financial Officer of Lease Query. Thanks so much for being a guest on the Sage Thought Leadership Podcast. Thanks, Ed. Review and subscribe by searching your podcast player of choice for Sage Thought Leadership Podcast.